All right, man. Welcome to Crow Triple Seven Radio. This is episode 465.5. Jason Lindgren, as always, and Athen Comente, our sidereal astrologer, returns. I think Athen's been here as much as any guest we've had. I'm about to list eight episodes if you want to catch the back episodes. By the way, if you're logged in and you mouse over full episodes, there is a find the show link. On the left, you can search terms and numbers. On the right, you can search guest names. Here we go. Athen was here on 381, 349, 327, 287, 244, 202, 186, and finally 164. Some of the things Athen has projected long before the fact have been astonishing. The one that always sticks out in my mind was he predicted the launch of the Covidius Minimus shot to the day. I want to say it was December 14, but I didn't look. But the point is, whatever that day he predicted was, was the actual day it hit the local news in Rhode Island. I mean, it was spot on. And he did the prediction the summer before. So I'm always interested to have him. And there's so much we can learn about the sky clock. Love having Athen on. Welcome, Jason. Oh, and a chilly good morning. Chilly schmilly, man. I woke up to 13 degrees this morning. Ridiculously cold. 13 whole degrees? 13 whole degrees. I, I think they quit doing partial degrees when you get below 20. No, I'm kidding. Anyhow, welcome back, Athen. It's been a long time. Hey, guys. It's great to be back. Thanks for having me. So you've kind of turned into a, what did you call a digital vagabond? You've been traveling the world for like years now. Yeah, it's been, uh, what, a good solid um, four years? Yeah, digital nomad kind of thing. Yeah, so it's nice. You know, my wife's European, so we have access to some of the Europe. Uh, right now we're in Mexico, taking it easy. We're going to head back to the UK after this. So just bounce around and uh, stay traveling, you know. So you're totally living on the sidereal astrology work you do. I mean, other than what your wife might be doing, I mean. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's my full-time job. Uh, that's what I exclusively do. Yep. So, so I think at this point, we can declare that this is becoming a going concern. I mean, do you feel like it's gotten easier to make a living at this than it was maybe five years ago? Uh, well, for me, yeah, because my business has been growing. You know, So I've been doing this for about 10 years now. And uh, it gets easier, obviously, as I build more clients and more exposure and you know, the website grows and things like that. But in terms of like collective stuff... Um, yeah, I, I think it is. I think the more confusing things get uh, and more difficult things get, I think people do turn to really like personal development stuff in general, but certainly astrology for that, you know, same reason, but also to just kind of make sense of things, you know. All right. Before we get in here, and I'm going to do this again at the end of both hours, the beginning of both hours, tell people where they can get a hold of you. And so, you know, uh, he does sidereal work. And basically the difference is there are systems for astrology that we've inherited. What, what, what sidereal does is it looks at the sky that is actually above our head. There's no calculation away. And I'm not, believe me, I am not poo-pooing tropical or any of the popular methods. I think all of them have stuff to teach. But from my personal point of view, uh, I started having Athen on because I'm interested in viewing things with the sky we see. Athen, where can they find you? How can they contact you for your services? Yeah. So it's masteringthezodiac.com, Mastering the Zodiac. And uh, yeah, that's the website. There's also a YouTube channel by the same name. 
and uh, Facebook and all the other good stuff, of course, um, just for the uh, exposure and community stuff. But uh, yeah, there's uh, weekly horoscopes. We have uh, courses there, free videos, free resources, and a chart calculator. So if you haven't yet, I know a lot of your audience has already, but if you haven't yet, uh, you can cast the chart for when you're born and see exactly where all the luminaries were when you were born. So that's essentially your natal chart. And it's, it's supposed to be a sort of the seed that was planted when you were born, you know? So if you consider that we're part of, you know, we're living in these cycles and the luminaries are telling us what time it is and where we're at in these cycles, uh, you can see where, where the cycle was when you were born and what that seed was planted and what that'll mean for your sort of life energy. And so from there, you can see your life path, personality stuff, you know, typical things uh, on that level. But I like to use it mostly for personal development. You know, it brings up, I want to get your point of view over the course of what we've done here on this podcast, it had occurred to me with all the reading around the topics that you and I are about to talk about. It seems to me that in a time gone by, there was a better idea of like most of us now say, okay, I was born on this day and that's where we start doing it. But don't you agree that there has to be some influence at the moment of conception or the zygote, as I guess we've covered in legal episodes? Yeah, totally. hundred percent. If there was a way to get that day, then absolutely. Uh, the thing with the astrology though, is it is dependent on time. So that's, you know, why first breath, you know, if you're born just a couple of minutes later, it will change your chart uh, by quite a bit. So with the zygote method, like if you can figure out what day it is, then that's good enough because then at least you'll see what all the signs are. Uh, what are all the, um, you know, clusters, luminary clusters that the moving luminaries, what we call the planets are in, right? And so you'll be able to at least get the signs and also the configurations or what's called the aspects between those luminaries, uh, which can tell you quite a bit. Uh, the difficulty is getting that, of course. And um, from what I've figured out is it does have to do with figuring out when like the mother was essentially ovulating right after conception uh, or what would have been conception. And that day, if it's even possible for you to figure out, that would be the zygote day. So let me offer an idea here. And since I'm a man in this lifetime, anyhow, I've spoken with a lot of females in this lifetime, and I actually met some women who said they know the moment that they became pregnant. And I heard it once and I thought, wow, is that really possible? I've heard it a number of times now. So what I suspect is true is back pre kind of techie, we keep records of everything. I think women were more suited to have the intuition. And I would just put that out there because for those who are going to start a family and be interested in the topics that we're talking about, and to me, the sky clock is foundational to everything. Maybe there are women listening who will have that intuition or uh, learn enough to try to pinpoint so that they will know the day that they believe conception happened. It's just another piece of this. I mean, would you agree with me, Athen, as we move forward in time and we get better at these things, like probably we once were, to bring the alchemical idea would be at the zygote is the conception. So maybe the elements coming together, but that first breath that we're referencing, that's when the spirit enters the body for the first time. I mean, do you agree with that kind of a point of view? Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, I go with it. Mm -hmm. the, the first breath thing. Yeah. 
Yeah. So I would just put it out there. But anyhow, I've had a number of people tell me that things were coming. Uh, one that comes to mind is roughly six-ish months before um, summer, I was told that the big monkeypox thing was going to hit in August. And sure as God made little green apples, August 1 hits the news in Rhode Island, local news. Last three days before it falls flat on its face, there were a number of predictions you made. There were three that really stood out. I'm sure Rose probably remembers better than I do. But here we are. We're not too far from the low point of the sun on December 21st. What do you find interesting about the end of 2022 or the things that you would zero in on? Yeah. So like we were talking about in the last episode, I believe we met uh, just at the tail end of 2021, if I'm recalling. And so we made some of these predictions or, you know, again, I don't even like to use the word really predictions because what we're really seeing here is uh, really just dealing in the realm of probabilities, basically where we're at in these cycles and what's most likely to happen you know, during these cycles. But then we get into the whole idea that maybe the elite or whoever's pulling the strings here behind the scenes, uh, maybe they use astrology uh, and they would use this form of astrology. Um, and uh, that could be why we're seeing those predictions, like for the, uh, for the vaccine, for example. Maybe they chose that day on purpose, right? So, uh, so the prediction I used kind of loosely, but you know, the key takeaway here is where we're at in these cycles and, and what does the weather kind of look like collectively for everybody and what's most highest probability wise. And, um, you know, I did, if you go back and listen to that episode, uh, I was talking about the Mars and how Mars is playing a big role. And I was hoping that it wasn't war. Um, and I was trying to, you know, communicate those hoping, you know, I didn't want to instill fear in anybody. And I hope, you know, I was hoping it wasn't something like that. But sure enough, uh, you know, all that stuff, the shenanigans over there in Ukraine um, started, you know, in January uh, with those Mars transits. So Mars is the big player this year. He is the luminary of war and and fighting, but it's not just that. It's also really claiming independence and asserting ourselves and, you know, and all that good stuff, which has been going on these past few years with Uranus, which we'll talk more about. But anyways, right now he is, uh, he is retrograde. So he's appearing to be moving backwards in the sky. And this has been since October 30th. Okay. And this is likely, you know, again, kind of going back, it's symbolic for going back and redoing or reevaluating events that are Mars related. And the most recent one uh, just happened, I think a couple of weeks ago, and it was when Mars was really squaring up. So this is like a clash as a square. And he was squaring up to a lot of these planets. And um, sure enough, that's where uh, there's like a missile that struck Poland, actually. And would have, if you follow the news there, again, it was about a week or two ago, uh, it got close to getting really heated with, um, you know, blaming Russia and stuff and basically escalating the war. Luckily, that didn't happen. Okay. And um, the U.S. is really trying to push for it, though. The media, at least the U.S. media, just came out and started blaming Russia right away. Turns out it was Ukrainian. Okay, so things cooled off there. But it's little things like that. It's just a bit iffy. It's getting reworked, you know, and uh, not expecting anything too major. Uh, but the January time is interesting. Again, not trying to instill fear or anything like that, but that is where the energies do start to shift again. Because uh, that is when Mars will go direct, where, where he'll finish his retrograde time period, uh, which will be about January 13th there. Okay, so things do start to move forward there from that time onward. Then he will, you know, um, 
do his squaring one last time because during retrogrades, it's basically you have to have a sort of three contacts. And so that's going to be around this March 12th, March 13th kind of time period. So if we can get through this area with Mars uh, in regards to the kind of Mars-related stuff we've seen this year, we can get past that March, then things should be easing up there. Okay. So I am expecting that from that point onward, hopefully uh, things do get resolved with any types of tensions over there in Europe and, and stuff like this. Okay. Again, not a prediction, but it would be nice. Yeah. One of the last two times you were on, you had mentioned something to the uh, effect that the bad guys are going to have to use deception from now on, that the energy that they were using to push Covidius Minimus and all that other crap uh, was over for them. Where do we stand with that right now? Yeah, exactly. I mean, I see that continuing. Yeah. Um, so that's the Pisces transits uh, we have going on. So, yeah. So right now, Jupiter uh, is going to be transiting, has been, and will continue to transit Pisces uh, up until the end of May. Okay. So between now and about May 25th, 26th, around there. And so uh, this is, you know, a time where it's supposed to be illuminating a lot of the deception, a lot of things that are normally hidden from us. Jupiter does tend to kind of expand. But at the same time, he can also create a lot of disillusionments, in, you know, himself. And so it is actually a good time if you were, let's say, these elite or whatnot trying to use deception, uh, they would try to certainly do it during these, these time periods. So there's probably, and we can see that there's a lot going on behind the scenes. There's a lot of deception being tried, but I think in the larger scope, in the larger Skype uh, cycle, people, people are becoming more and more aware of this stuff, you know, and, and that's just a trend that I see continuing uh, from here on out. Let me make a couple statements here. The first thing I want to point out is that we are referencing what the mainstream news puts out. We're talking all about deception. We're not really addressing at all whether or not the news is true. That's not the point. When the news does what the news does, there's an agenda. And I think that should be clear. Rose pinged me and she mentioned that Athen had also predicted that crazy Kabul pullout. And I'd forgotten about that. Um, but let me zero back in. You gave dates for, I think it was Mars coming out of retrograde almost right on the equinox. Well, it'll be coming out on January 13th. Of next year. What did you say about Mars and March? Oh, in March. Oh, right. So that's where uh, Mars will be squaring the sun and the fast moving planets for the last time. So this is a theme that's been going on with Mars activated this year. And so that's going to be the last major square uh, with Mars in this cycle. So that's what I'm so that's what I'm expecting a bit of that clash or a bit of that tension happening around that time. But uh, then things easing up after that. So what I was going to point out there, Athen, for, for where I am, as we're coming into that last square, it sounds like you're saying just barely before the equinox. I have not checked the true equinox where I am, but I would be willing to bet it's on St. Patrick's Day. I'm assuming that's probably the 17th, but again, I'm just, I'm forecasting without looking. Um, isn't it interesting that you get that last square right before, you know, I always view the equinoxes as, as a day of balance. It's a big marker. As a matter of fact, I'm just going to shut up. How do you view the influence of the equinox in spring? Yeah, just as, as that, uh, it is the new, well, it's not the new beginning, right? So I believe that the, the cycle starts during the solstice, the winter solstice in the Northern hemisphere, right? And so this is um, the start of the cycle. But this 
spring, you know, this uh, equinox is essentially when action starts. Okay. So this would be akin to the first quarter moon. Uh, if we were to sort of compare it to a lunar cycle, which is the most action-oriented and forward-moving energy. And obviously, we see that with spring and stuff. And, you know, speaking of war, just because it's on the mind, you know, that's when like March, you know, the idea of like the Roman Empire would go to war and stuff like this. So it is the real action, active-oriented part of the cycle, but not necessarily the new beginning, because that's starting again uh, at the lowest point of the cycle, right? So that's so like, you know, the solstice is more like the new moon uh, energy. But uh, that's what it is, moving things forward, action-oriented, implementing whatever seeds were planted during the winter for us in the Northern Hemisphere. And so this is really the most important time, in my opinion, is the winter solstice because it's spiritual. And everything that we are setting intentions with, everything that we're feeling, everything that we you know, are starting to, to develop, that's what comes to its first challenge or its first implementation during the spring. So, so important at that time to be spiritually attuned and feeling and setting these intentions, but spring is, you know, certainly the time where I believe it gets implemented. I I like the way you're describing it, the way that I try to talk about spring and my fascination with the equinoxes, because I don't feel like I know all that I could know about them. And I'm still learning is that it's basically the largest release of energy that can't even be measured. The energy release is so large where I am in Rhode Island in California, you see it, but not to the same degree that you see it here in Rhode Island. Everything turns green. Everything starts having babies. There's just all the sea life comes flooding back in because the cold months are just about older. So it really is a huge energy release. Well, I would ask you, so if we were to think about the opposite equinox in September, would it be the wrapping up of energies or how would you describe that one? Yeah, so that's seen by that third quarter moon. So that's where we've already had the harvest of, let's say, you know, again, metaphorically, the summer, which is uh, the highest energy and the highest momentum of the cycle, right? The strongest sun energy. And so then after that halfway point of the summer solstice, we then start to recede, obviously, and energies start to die down. And so any shifts or any harvests that we made during the uh, summer solstice is what starts to get developed and prolonged during the, um, you know, the, the, uh, the autumnal uh, equinox there. So that's another action-oriented phase. It's like third quarter, so it's the square energy again. Uh, but this time, moving things forward from the uh, summer solstice. And to really wrap things up, though, this is, again, to finalize the cycle. Um, and then so between then and then the end, you know, between then and the the winter solstice again, wrapping things up. So I like to think of it as like, it's the time to turn the harvest. Like, let's say if we use the analogy of, of grapes. Okay. So, you know, it's a good time to start planting those, those seeds, I believe as early as the winter, Uh, then things actually start sprouting and moving forward in the spring, which would be in this analogy, the grapevines. Then the summer is the full harvest of the grapes. So in that sense, autumn would be turning the grapes into wine, using that to prolong the harvest and, um, you know, and, and turn it into something that we can then utilize during the spiritual phase or the non-active phase of the, uh, of the winter months. 
which is crazy because what you've said is of such an importance. It's biblical, right? That's the, that's what we're talking about. And you will find those who think in a high spiritual sense that the grape would be the, the, the spirit of the wine, of the grape is the wine. But I mean, since we're, we've kind of outlined what it means uh, from your point of view to talk about equinoxes, the spring, and you just dressed fall, let's quickly outline the two solstices. And I'll tell you my perception of it. And then you tell me your take on it. My perception, uh, my perception of the equinox feels to me like I need a lot of work. I feel like I'm not quite knowing the magic. And in a way I do based on what I'm going to say, but I know I could know a lot more. Now the solstices seem a lot more cut and dry to me in June, when the sun is at the height of its power, when it passes that day, then what I'll just call, say the day King, we'll call that the day King is starting to lose its power. The moment it goes past the high point of the sun, when we get down to the equinox, I would suggest that maybe the day King is handing his torch to the night King at that point. So then you go down to the low point of the sun, which is the winter solstice in December 21. And so the opposite thing, of course, happens the other way around. The night king will hand the torch to the day king around the spring equinox, this idea. But here's the main take on the solstices. To me, and I think I've witnessed this firsthand, even in myself, when you passed on you know, June 21-ish, the height of the power of the sun, it seems to me that human consciousness begins to fall off and spiritual endeavors begin to fall off. And they kind of get drowsy and go to sleep all the way down to the 21st of December where that other winter solstice is. Do you agree with the way I've described that? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, that's a really good analogy with the torch. Yeah. So yeah, if we can, if we divide it up into, let's say halves first, you know, everything that's after the spring equinox and before the autumnal equinox um, would be the, the, the more outer consciousness stuff, right? So that's the outer world, outer consciousness, more yang energy. And then everything before the spring equinox and after the autumnal uh, is the inner consciousness. Right and shining light into the inner world, which benefits more of spirituality, you know, emotions, more of that inner world energy. And if we look at if we start to look at polarities, um, you know, we could symbolize it that the that second half, that summer half, let's call it, is more sun energy, like solar energy, right? Um, more outer consciousness, and then the you know the winter half being more moon energy more inner consciousness because that's how we use it with astrology these are you know two luminaries that are rel- almost perfectly the same size in the sky which is very interesting uh which represent two very fundamental parts of the self in the astrology we see that as like you know everyone's heard their sun sign but there's also of course your moon sign and both are you know equally important um, but the sun is the outer consciousness part of the self and the moon is the inner consciousness so in terms of a yearly cycle collectively, yeah, I think that's exactly what it is. It's um, more of the outer consciousness in summertime or the inner moon consciousness during the inner time. And then the transitions would be the equinoxes, right? And um, when we're shifting from one state of consciousness to the next, you know, and that's why the fall is associated with like Halloween and all the spooky stuff or day of the dead, because it's going from the consciousness to the unconsciousness to the unconscious to the underworld you know and um you know and that's that's very symbolic of that and then of course we have the opposite for the spring so yeah it's, those are the transition points are those uh, equinoxes 
I think a critical part of what we often see missing in the way we think about what we're talking about is the moon is often like a side player, but, you know, Rudolf Steiner and others have made some pretty bold statements about the phase of the moon and where it is in the cycle having to do with whether or not you're going to be reincarnated here or go somewhere else. Even the Christian mystics have said things like when you get to that moment where the sky clock is exactly as it was when you drew your first spiritual breath, there's a, I don't know exactly how they discuss. It's been so long. It's like a recharger. You get your next year's information starts coming to you or something like that. But for the sake of this conversation, so the lay person can have an idea. If I'm going to think about the equinoxes and the solstices, this is how I think about it. The sun's going to hit the high power, the height of its power in June 21. What's weird about that is in most places, at least in the United States, it still gets hotter. (laughs) So the sun's supposedly already hit the height of its power, but it keeps getting hotter to August. Just set that aside. What's actually happened is the days are going to start to shrink, right? When it's past that. So if you consider the equinox in fall as the day king handing his torch to the night king, then that starts to really give you some ways to think about things. And as you get down to low point, as soon as you've gone by December 21-ish, usually December 21, the nights are going to start lengthening. And when you get up to that spring equinox, the night king is going to hand that torch back to the day king. In other words, on those equinoxes, equal day and night is occurring. So you see what it actually means. So from that point on, either the day will start having more than the night or having less depending on the equinox. Is that a good way for lay people to think about the basic division of a year? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I wish that was talked about more, but uh, yeah. And then that brings up a good, you know, analogy of the night as well, because the night is the inner consciousness, right? So we go into our dream space and that's, that's what I'm talking about here in the inner consciousness sense, you know? So yeah, you can akin it to night and day and that that's uh, winter half, let's say is, is, it's the night time of the year, you know, and it's supposed to be resting. It's supposed to be internal. It's supposed to be spiritual. You know, we see that of course, through nature, hibernation, all kinds of stuff. Right. So uh, yeah, treating it as such is so important, like aligning. And, you know, you know, I've talked about this a lot. We've talked about this a lot on your shows, you know, aligning with nature. And I think that goes back to just being more in touch with our bodies, right? So all in all, I think we've gotten so disconnected from nature and so disconnected from our bodies as well. And I think if we were more connected um, to all of this, then we'd be able to pick up when uh, when we're pregnant or, you know, these these things that are very important you know, these things of, of connecting more to, uh, to our natural selves. Uh, and I think being aligned to the, to the seasons is probably arguably the most important thing there. And that just is, is as simple as just going outside, grounding yourself, being in nature and, um, and feeling it. And, and it's, it's very obvious what's happening at these times. Yeah. You know, it's, it's interesting because what you're saying is true. Uh, I, I too agree that the detachment from the truths that we find in nature is what begins to help us to lose our adult abilities that are innate, um, our ability to hear nonsense, our ability, all kinds of things that a, a grown adult mind in tune, this is what the, the clock change is about, right? So the clock changes happen right at those equinoxes. Why are they doing that? Well, they're, they're breaking you out of the cycle of time that you would now have for your whole life settled into and have a better chance to think. But if you considered putting a circle, which represents the Zodiac, and at the top of that circle, 
was the high point of the sun in June. At the bottom of that circle was the low point of the sun in December. If you drew a line horizontal to the equinoxes, the bottom half of that circle would be nighttime. The top half of that circle would be daytime. And these are important ideas because as we've talked about, so much of our programming Literal programming in this world happens in the fall. And for the longest time, I always think, well, why is that? And then I finally realized why that is. Because we're starting to go to sleep a little bit, and our spiritual concerns are going to sleep as we pass June, mid-June. And it, it happens all the way down to December. So what they're doing is they're introducing their agenda about midway. So as the day king is handing his torch to the night king, here they come. New TV programming, 9-11, all the fall kind of programming things. And I just think that these are critical things to point out to folks because in the course of a year, if you want to pay attention to me, it is critically after you go by June 21-ish, all the way down to Christmas time is when you need to keep your spiritual concerns and your mind sharp. Would you add anything to those ideas? No, that was beautifully said. I couldn't have said that better. Uh, exactly. That's what we see is the, you know, again, I believe the elites uh, or whatever, you know, are using these cycles. They're using the astrology, I believe, as well. And um, and that's when we're almost susceptible. Uh, would be particularly, I would say, uh, yeah, the transition times for sure. So the summer into the, into the um, winter uh, is on the uh, autumn time. But uh, yeah, that lowest point uh, decreasing, you know, so to speak, going into that December 21st, that's when we're most susceptible, most susceptible. And all those programs and, uh, you know, seeds being planted, that actually can give us a foresight uh, into what we might expect for this year. Now, the year actually starts on the December 21st, right? So I'm not saying years in January, I'm talking years in from that winter solstice onward, we can get a really good idea of perhaps what is being planted or if it's intentional, what intentions are being set, you know, for the collective during that time, based on like you're saying, the programming, the media, all this, all this stuff and get a good idea of what's, what's coming up. You know, I've noticed that with the, you know, the, um, what do you call it? The Covidius, you know, thing I've oh, seen. Covidius with- minimus. It's <laughs> a good one. Yeah, so I've seen it with that. I've seen it with all kinds of stuff. It, it's all it all really starts uh, approaching that December time, December twenty first, and you can start to not even using astrology. You can just start to make forecasts if you want, based on what you're seeing in the media and what's being programmed, what seeds are being planted. Because yeah, I think that's when they uh, when they do that, and they're they're really messing with people's perceptions. And yeah, I couldn't agree more with the with the statement that you know it, it's so important for us to be aware of our own perceptions, uh, our own beliefs as well, just, you know, our own beliefs about life um, and, um, you know, maintain our own. Obviously, everyone has their own beliefs and their own perspectives, but uh, we want to make sure that we're not absorbing them. And that brings up a really good point too, that if you, if you consider this like daylight savings, it's like, it's almost like the whole system is set up to keep us awake, but like, so like awake is in the outer world awake. Not awake as in the inner world, like, you know, work, work your butt off, you know, uh, stay busy, only sleep a few hours, like work and, you know, and, and, and focus so much on the material world and all this, that our bodies and our soul will need to rest. And so what's likely happening is just like if you force anything to be busy all the time, they're just going to go into a stupor. 
you know, they're going to go into a receptive state. And then what ends up happening is they're like awake and dreaming because they have to sleep. And I'm talking, you know, kind of like a spiritual metaphor here. You know, we have to sleep. And if we're always plugged in with the daylight savings and we have no real winter and we're just go, go, go and all this, then we end up living a life that's like, you know, an awaking dream. And, um, and that there's nothing more susceptible than that, you know, because we're not uh, as conscious as we would be had we rested and used that time of the year, let's say, to recharge, you know, spiritually. So I had a big epiphany as they did the clock change. So when they do it in California, it bothers me. Actually, it bothers me every time. It really does bother me. And, and, and as I look back through my life, I realized it bothered me before I was recognizing that I was being bothered by it. And what they're doing is they're pulling you out of the cycle of time. But here in Rhode Island, where it's going to be cold and there's going to be winter, I had an epiphany about what the fall time change actually does to you. It puts your waking hours into far more darkness. Consider this. They jack the clock. So now if you sleep in to six or seven or eight or whatever time you can sleep to before you got to get up to go to work because you're exhausted from work the day before, you're sleeping through the first little bit of daylight. Since in the winter months, there will be fewer hours of daylight. What they've done is they've pushed sunset back to four, 4.30. Most people work right up to that or right beyond that. So the effect of what they've actually done is they've reduced the amount of sunlight that a human being can experience at that period of time. So if I was going to consider the programming that they've actually done, uh, they've created a physical condition. Uh, it's not just that it's inconvenient. It's not just that you've been pulled out of the cycles of time, but for that portion of the year, because of the way we work and do things now, you are physically going to experience a bare minimum of sunlight, which is already at a bare minimum. And the other thing I would point out is you could actually, from now on, this is what I do. I think of the fall equinox as the beginning of the rule of the night king. I think of the spring equinox as the beginning of the rule of the day king. And that's just a general breakdown. But I mean, think about it, Athen. I know you've probably come across the idea, like uh, Jason and I talked about this, and he's all, well, that just means that we're back to the right time we should have been. And the more I thought about that, I thought, I, I don't I don't think that's right. I'm not sure if that's right. Because in all the ancient texts, and I'm sure you've run into it, Athen, they would always mark sunrise at 6 a.m. So think about the difference between sunrise being at this time of the year, 6 a.m. And as the clock changes later, sunrise will be at some other time, not 6 a.m. In the older way, sunrise was always 6 a.m. I think you see the difference there. So one of them is locked to what the sun is actually doing and the clock adjusts to the sun. The way we're doing it the sun adjusts to the clocks, which is kind of bass backwards. I don't know. Did I lay that down very well? Do you even know what I'm trying to express? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, that we were well living more in accordance with nature before, but um, yeah, that it was more of us adapting to the seasons versus us trying to uh, clash with the seasons, make our own system, and, and try to make the seasons conform to us. Uh, that's dangerous, you know. Anytime you know, it, it, there's nothing wrong with you know, technology and making our lives better. But the second technology conflicts with nature, that's where we really start to run into issues. And, you know, and that's the big, you know, issue I have too with like tropical, for example, again, I still think it's accurate in its own way, but 
it's trying to shape a natural thing into a man-made thing uh, and taking away from the nature as, as a result, so the visible sky in that sense. But uh, really with anything, I mean, I think it's good to use technology if it's in accordance with nature. But the second that we start to try to make nature conform to us, I think that's where we see the, the biggest disasters, the biggest problems, um, you know, and I think that that calendar is probably a really good example of that, especially this Gregorian calendar, which is, um, yeah, completely removing us from not only the seasons, but it's uh, the lunar cycle as well, 12 instead of 13. We've talked about that before. There's actually 13 lunar months, you know, starting in January. Why is it then? Uh, all kinds of stuff. But uh, yeah, anything that gets us closer to the nature, and it's a, it's a system around that because we do, do need technology. We do need systems to make our lives better as humans. But it needs to be uh, putting the nature first or the natural world for, first and conforming to that Yeah, versus the other way around. Is that what you were saying about the calendar? Is that kind of trying to distort it, distort nature to make it our own? Yeah, it, it's, you know, this is the story. It's actually the overall story of techno. What, what we have just addressed here is the reason for cell phones, one of the distorting reasons. So we have these people who have a lot of power in this world, but they can never be gods of this world. And this is provably knowable by saying, okay, guy in charge, make me a fish. Can't do it can't do it, can't be a god of this place. Only God can be god of a place because somehow God made a fish or a tree or anything or this perfect system from our point of view that we're talking about. So what they've said about doing is creating a technological world that separates us. So in the same way, when I look at my cell phone, it says, oh, it's 12 noon. Well, I know better. No, it's not. It's not 12 noon till the sun hits its apex for that day. That is noon whatever number you want to assign to it. That is noon. In the real world, in God's creation, that is noon. So this technology keeps pulling us. And when you see the time shift, that's a technological nonsense. They, they used to say, we're doing this for to save, day, save daylight. Well, I got news for you, jokers. You can't put daylight in a bottle. No one's saving anything here. And we all know it. You can call it daylight savings or whatever BS name you want to give it. The truth of what's going on is for some reason, you decided to jack up the clock an hour. So when we go for the truth of what's actually been done, the first thing that's easy to recognize is had I lived my whole life without our artificial clock pulling me out of time, and all of a sudden tomorrow, I don't get up at the same time, or do I go to bed at the same time, it will be an hour different on both sides of my day. It kills what probably most people would refer to as the circadian rhythm. Had I lived my whole life in string with the circadian rhythm, think of all the innate abilities and comprehensions that I might have from the truths of nature. So we can see that reason for doing what they've done. But like I said, I am completely firmly under the assumption now that when it happens in the fall, since we know all the programming comes in the fall, since we know that spiritual minds, spiritual intents have fallen off since midsummer for most people. What they've done is they've forced you to live a day in max darkness, or better, better way to say that they have forced you to live a month or two, and actually it's a little over a month, in the maximum amount without sunlight as possible. That's, I guess, what I would say. And I was trying to do, I don't know if you know off the top of your head, do you know how many hours of daylight is in the longest day and the shortest day? I'm trying to look it up. I can't find it uh, easily. <laughs> and there must be a reason why that's not easily searchable. Hmm. No, I don't. Not off the top of my head. No. 
you'll find up to 12 hours of bright sunshine per day in summer. Well, we know what the equinox is, right? There's 24 point something hours in a day. So at the equinoxes, you're getting 12 hours to the second of daylight and uh, 12 hours of night. So in May and July, Nevada sees an impressive 13 hours. But I mean, as you begin to see what it actually means to jack with the clock, I think it becomes apparent. But what I noticed is the shortest days, there's really not. I mean, it's under eight hours. I think it's seven hours something. I just can't find it to look up. But anyhow, we're getting a little off track here. Jason, do you want to bring up anything with Athens? Uh, you know, something did occur to me. Uh, Donald Trump announced his candidacy again for the 2024 election on Tuesday night. Was there uh, anything relevant that he chose that day? Yeah, so so that's what we were talking about with the Mars. Okay, so Mars we were talking about as both the war and also the independence uh, side of things. So that's shifted, right? So it was on one hand, hopefully, you know, luckily nothing got out of hand there in Ukraine. But the other thing was, yeah, we saw, you know, the whole Twitter thing and Elon Musk and all this stuff really has been these past couple of weeks. And um, that was a shifting time with Mars. Again, the planet of independence, assertiveness, leading, taking initiative with things. This is, this is uh, what's going on. And so that, so this is like, so what we just saw here uh, these past couple of weeks is a good sneak peek, let's say of what, again, the January shifts will be once Mars goes direct uh, January 13th and onwards. Um, and then that March time we we're talking about when Mars finalizes the squares of this cycle. Right. So it's two fronts. So one is the global thing where it's maybe some fighting and stuff like this going on, but also within countries. And I think the U.S. is a good example of that one these past couple of weeks here. So Jason, keep going. I mean, I didn't even know what you said was true because I'm so blind to the news. What else? Well, huge revelation last night for uh, people who care about these kinds of things. The CEO of Disney was seemingly out of the blue, kicked out of his position. And the previous CEO, Bob Iger, has been uh, put back in his place. Anything crazy with that? Hmm. Not that I can think of, but I do know that and this is something I think we, we talked about like a couple of years ago. Uh, and I don't know if it's related specifically to Disney, but it just kind of comes to mind here is this whole kind of idea of like tech wars. Like I think what we're seeing with Uranus and Aries. Okay. So Uranus is the planet of change and freedom. It's the planet we discovered in this, the mid 1700s once all the freedom movements started around the world. So it's symbolic for that uh, revolutionary energy. Um, so, so Uranus has been in Aries for a few years now, and, and that's why we've seen a lot of these protests and stuff like this we've talked about in previous episodes too. But uh, one thing that I hadn't really seen come to fruition up until just recently, though, is what I was kind of seeing as like a tech war kind of a thing, because you have Uranus, which is technology, revolution, change also rules technology, anything made of electricity. And it's in that fiery Mars Aries, uh, has been for these past few years. And so this is something I wanted to talk about, uh, about the shifts in 2024, because we are coming up to some very important shifts collectively, which is basically when these very slow moving luminaries like Uranus uh, are changing sign. Okay. They start to go in front of a different uh, luminary cluster. And so in this case, uh, it's usually quite significant when they do. And it's, and it's two really important ones. And there's only really three that are, you know, the, the biggest ones, and that's your Uranus, Neptune, and Pluto. And so two out of three of those are changing, 2024 and 2025. So one of them is, is Uranus. And so Uranus is going to leave and finalize that fiery Aries energy. So that usually means some sort of culmination of this. 
whatever's going to happen with, again, this individuality, this, um, in this case, maybe, you know, the clashing that we might be seeing within uh, corporations or tech companies and things like this will probably be at its apex, at its highest point. And if we can't get over that point with any global conflicts, I'll be feeling much more comfortable as well, because, you know, again, this is uh, can be kind of an erratic energy there for that fiery stuff. But uh, he does go into Taurus, which we'll talk more about. But the point here is that between now and then, um, yeah, it's good for this, you know, healthy change, healthy revolution. And I think we'll probably see it a lot within corporations as well. And I would say specifically in the in the tech uh, side of things, you know, a lot of the fighting and clashing, which I th- hopefully will eventually lead to, again, more freedom for everybody versus uh, censorship and things like that. I'm, I'm confident that it's going to be more on that. On that sort of level, so yeah, I don't know ex- exactly what why the shifts with Disney happened or anything like that, but I'm sure it has a lot to do with, uh, yeah, uh, the, what Disney has wanted and what a lot of these other corporations have wanted uh, is probably not panning out that the way they wanted. <laughs> and now, you know, we were talking too, I think before or during the uh, Covidius thing is, uh, you know, that I was optimistic that you know I, I saw so many positive movements and healthy protests and. The world really like waking up way more than I thought they were prior, uh, which act- honestly I believe prevented uh, like a serious lockdown of like passports or whatever craziness. Which it could still be, you know, they're gonna, you know, the elite and whoever's in charge. Obviously, they're they're always gonna want this, but I think they move too quickly, uh, too, you know, they move too fast to rush this stuff forward, and it backfired. And I think we're seeing that across the board in governments and corporations and. Um, and again, it's it's really this this season for this these next couple of years in particular. And isn't it the technological world that skews the human mind into falling for things like this? I would submit that a mind more in tune with the things we're talking about, the real cycles of the truths of nature, what the sun is doing, not what your cell phone is telling you. Um, these are the people that are less fuelable. But I've got to ask, Jason, was this Disney CEO one of the dudes that flopped sweet seats at the end of 2019? I kind of thought I remembered Disney was one of those 200 plus. Actually, it was yeah. over... 1200 or 1300 but if that is true that starts to look like a fail just from my limited perception so in february of 2020 out of the blue bob Iger, who had been the ceo of disney for years just said okay i'm stepping down bye and this guy bob chapek who i think was in charge of the parks before that like he had another ceo position but not the top ceo position well, Disney just had a very bad uh, a quarter, I guess is what they call it. And just everything has been going wrong. They challenged the Florida governor over a bunch of stuff that they shouldn't have. And they're just not doing very well right now from a financial aspect. And last night, there's just this breaking news that Bob Iger was uh, taking back over. And that was that. So sad for poor Disney. I hate to see them struggle so. Oh, I know. Ooh. Yeah, I'm being facetious, everybody. We're almost to the top of the hour, so I want to close our one with some overarching ideas, Athen, to hopefully help people to think about the truths that nature gives us, which are constantly being swept under the rug by technological living, which is actually a lie, if you want to be honest about it. It's a hack what it is. It's a pale shadow of the real deal and we act like it's not. So let's consider this. You could look at the two equinoxes. So in March and September, everybody's aware of those equinoxes. They're going to jack the clock up, but you could look at those times as the idea of equality. You could look at that actual day 
on either side, there are two of them a year where neither the Sun King nor the Night King rules. They are equal in their power for that day for a very short period of time. Now, think about this. And I, I want to get your in. If you think I blow it, I want you to tell me I blew it out. But I've always considered that the equinoxes are a bit like the equator. And here's why. At the equator, the supposed tilt of the Earth's axis, which I don't accept, has a minimal effect on daylight hours. If we took a city like Singapore, which is within 100 or 200 miles of the equator, the number of daylight hours in an entire year varies by 10 minutes. So if we took a town exactly on the equator, there would be no time shift at all. In other words, their winter months would not be any darker than their summer months. It would be like a, an equinox every day to give you a way to think about it. Now, when you get to higher latitudes, like maybe Scotland, the difference is something like 12 hours between midwinter and midsummer. The difference would be the long periods of darkness in winter would be 18 hours ish of daylight in midsummer and only six and a half hours in midwinter. Those are at northern climes. Now, when we come back to the idea of balance and equality with everything I just told you, and this is, I want to get you, I want to see if you can poke a hole in anything I just said. And if you can, I hope you'll tell me. If we had a golden age, like we have read about in the ancient texts, like things from the Kali Yuga, wouldn't that pretty much mean that every day is an equinox? Wouldn't that pretty much mean that for everywhere in the world, it would be the equivalent of living on the equator? So those were some bold statements, Athen. Do you take issue with it? Well, I've thought about something similar that, you know, if you look at Greek uh, mythology or just history, uh, there was this idea that, you know, we do go through these, these ages. And of course, the you know, Hindus uh, have their own as well. And the, But I use the Greek one because we can relate to it the most, because we can see it as uh, the Jupiter time and the Saturn time, right? And so the story goes that, you know, during the, you know, when it was, when it was ancient Greece times, it was the Jupiter era. And so things were more higher consciousness and, you know, more Jupiterian. So Jupiter is there's more expansion. It's more light energy. Okay. Basically. And Saturn's the yin to that. So that's, that's a period where it's definitely more dense and more physical and stuff. I believe we're in a Saturn uh, part of the cycle and uh, this, uh, you know, these yugas, like, let's say, cause these cycles go very large. Um, you know, so if we really take into account the, what they call, you know, the procession, but, you know, every, essentially every roughly uh, 2,700 years, we go into a new uh, zodiac sign for that era. So that would be a new age, basically. That's where we get the idea of like the age of Aquarius and the age of Pisces and all those. Um, so, yeah, it's very possible that within a, the, probably the largest cycle that we just start like tripping out, like in, in the highest consciousness state. Uh, if you believe in like, I don't know, higher dimensions or higher consciousness and like having these experiences that, you know, maybe those of us now might find through psychedelics or other plant medicines or something like this. Uh, I've honestly thought that there's certain time periods where it's just higher consciousness and um, it might be sun all the time in a sense. I don't know what's literally going on in the physical world, 
But in terms of our consciousness, yeah, absolutely. Um, I think there's eras where they become very dense, like they've been recently, uh, I believe, and times where it's very elevated, where it's like we're tripping. <laughs> and uh, it's like living in a higher frequency, especially if you consider a lot of what we're finding out with, you know, about the human brain and it being more like a radio and stuff like that. So, so, that's, so, so for me, it's, it's more on the consciousness side of things. It's more of like what frequency our brains are attuned to, what frequency is our consciousness attuned to uh what's physically going on in the world i, I couldn't say uh you know the, the scientific part of me is just like well everything's obviously going to stay consistent in the physical world but that doesn't necessarily mean that that's how we're going to perceive it or experience it so but that goes down a huge rabbit hole of how much does our consciousness actually influence our physical world and all this but my guess is that things remain st static physically these cycles these seasons and that's why the saturn age is about these elite trying to keep us here in this physical world and so caught up in the physical world because we're losing that higher state and that higher consciousness. Uh, and it's all, you know, it's all very static, but um, you know, there's times where I think it's much easier to, to tune that radio into higher frequencies and we could perceive that. Yeah. So let me jump in here. Athan. We're at the top of the hour. Um, can you quickly give people your information where they can find you and your services again? And by the way, the videos on YouTube are spectacular every time. Go ahead. Okay, yeah. So it's masteringthezodiac.com and the YouTube is by the same name, Mastering the Zodiac. But everything's on the website there and uh, the chart calculators there, the um, you know YouTube, all the videos. Uh, so yeah, check it out. Uh, cast your chart, see what it looks like. There's resources there to help read it as well. But yeah, that's a great place to start is look at what the sky looked like when you were born and what that might mean for your specific life path and life development. All right, there it is. There's hour one of episode 465.5 with Jason Lingren and Athen Comenti, a sidereal astrologer. When we come back, I'm going to take a page from the Reverend Robert Taylor, who wrote both editions and some other books of The Devil's Pulpit. I'm going to open up hour two with some ideas about St. Andrew. Look him up while we're on the break. He's got a cross behind him. I'm going to tell you what that's actually about. And then I'm going to relate it back to the equator, back to the ages we were talking about, and so much more. Anyhow, the first hour is free at crow777radio.com. And members know to log in, and that's crrow777radio.com. And I'd like to wish you all a happy, healthy, and higher-minded new era, and hope to see you for hour two on the website. There it is, man. Cheers.
enemies of knowing.